You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, hello, everyone. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for bearing with us with some technical difficulties. Well, happy Mother's Day. We've already acknowledged it um, a few times, but I feel like you we can't acknowledge the mothers enough so happy mother's day um if we haven't had a chance to meet my name is Jorley, and um, i'm one of the pastors here at ca church and i'm actually currently on mat leave and so i have a fun and spunky three-year-old daughter named kinsley if you've met her you know what i'm talking about um and i have a three-month-old daughter named harper um as well um i'm married to sam and we are in the thick of diaper changes late nights early mornings and we are living and breathing, eat, play, sleep. And yes, we always have spit up on our clothes and we know it. So um, if you see see spit up on our clothes, just like lend us a, a napkin, we know it's just a part of our wardrobe now. Um, so Pastor Cam has asked me to speak on mothers on Mother's Day. How fitting. Um, as you guys are in the middle of the God of All Things series. And um, what I love about this series is that it takes ordinary things um, in our everyday life, and it just reminds us how we can see God all around us. You don't necessarily have to have this huge spiritual encounter to see God or know God, but yes, that is a part of it, and it is a very important part of it as well. But I just love how God reveals himself in everyday moments as well. And today, we're going to be talking about mothers. And Mother's Day is a complicated day, isn't it? Um, we've, we read that poem, there are many people in different spectrums and where they may be. Some of you may have a hard relationship with your mom or may have been wounded by them and they're still recovering from it. Some of you, some of you here have lost your mom and that is a huge source of pain. Some of you may have not known your mom um, and that's you have a deep hole um, and longing and desire to have that relationship in your life. Um, and so... And for those who may not uh, have your own biological children, but you care and mentor and have taken young people under your wings, um, I just want to say thank you for doing that. And please continue to do that. I have a lot of aunties and uncles in my life, and um, I am a hu- uh, they are a huge part of my development today. And so Mother's Day is a complicated day with all of the different experiences and feelings attached to it. And on top of that, being a mom is a lot. And so for Mother's Day for me has always been a complicated day. Um, Prior to having my own kids, Mother's Day for me became a reminder of what I was missing um, and a desire of a relationship with my own mom um, in my life. So instead of it being a day of celebration, It was more of a reminder of the pain and loss that I had in my life. So today, I just want to start off by saying that wherever you may be, that we see you. And if the title of mom doesn't necessarily... um, Uh, doesn't necessarily apply to you, Uh, a lot of these thoughts and ideas um, are transferable for you as well. And so I'm indebted to a few thought leaders that has helped me shape our message today. Some of them being Timothy Keller and Nancy Ortberg and Bethany Allen, and there's lots of others. Um, But we are going to flesh out three points. Um, Some of them, uh, the first one being the struggle of motherhood, two is the illusions, uh, the illusions of motherhood, and three, the way that God uses motherhood to lead us back to him. So, 
my points there are different. I'm going to go through that. So my po first point is that motherhood is a struggle between two opposing forces. Motherhood is a struggle between two opposing forces. So if you have your Bibles, can you open them up to Romans 7, 15 to 20? It's also going to be on the screens if you don't have yours handy. Romans 7, 15 to 20. And it says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So when my first was born, I remember suddenly falling in love with her, um, falling in love with this little person who I've just never met before. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. She's never done anything for me, but I was just undone by the love that I had for her. I just knew I'd do anything for her. Fast forward to that first couple of weeks of having a newborn. I remember waking up in the middle of the night with the lights dimmed and my eyes half open, slowly walking over to a crying baby and barely awake, you know, when you're just like blindly touching things around you just to find your way through. I was still half asleep, but somehow my subconscious, my subconscious um, and my body just knew what to do to care for this baby. Then during that same week, after feeling so incredibly tired, I finally had a moment to sit down. And you know, have you ever felt just so tired that you could just fall asleep anywhere in any position? Um, that was me, and it's still me most days. <laughs> it's still me right now. But, um, but then, you know, I heard a cry. And my eyes, like, opened abruptly, and it's still sleepy, still, still heavy. Um, I groaned as I got up, and then it just hit me. I was realizing how tired I was, but there was nothing I could do about it in that moment. <laughs> I realized that how I was going to be stuck with this little person for the rest of my life. And then I just couldn't do anything about it. So when I started this journey of motherhood, I started to get introduced to a woman inside of me that I just had never met before. God was placing me on a spiritual journey, and I had no idea how in-depth um, it was going to be. I liked this person who was forming and developing. She was unselfish, sometimes in the middle of the night. When the baby would cry, she wanted to be the one to help care for the baby. There was even delight in the opportunity to do so. She was caring. She was loving. There was so much pleasure in ensuring that child was safe and cared for. She would get so much joy from watching her toddler learn something new, say their first word, or jump for joy when they would experience something new from making their first meals um, that would help them grow to be strong, reading them stories to help them expand their imaginations, or just sharing her childhood memories with her toddler. It brought so much life. She was fun and she was silly. She was also empathetic and cared for the small and big cuts and scrapes that came, and even the imaginary ones. She was patient, even after she got yelled at by her three-year-old toddler after cutting up that piece of banana that she had specifically asked to be cut. So I was becoming someone who I haven't been before, and I loved who I was becoming. But I also met someone inside of me who wasn't quite like her, 
and I didn't love her. I actually cringed when I think about her, embarrassed even. She was frazzled. She was impatient sometimes. She was selfish. She was tired. She was demanding. She was irritable. She was angry. So there was this day when I was caring for both girls between mealtimes, bathroom breaks, changing diapers, and all that kind of stuff. And there just comes a point where you're just trying to make it work. But this one specific day, a day sandwich with two major tantrums, I felt like this day was just going to break me. I became someone I didn't like. Um, I was irritated. I was short and quick to anger um, to everyone around me, my husband included. <laughs> and here it is, the dichotomy of being a parent. It opened up a new world of conflicting emotions. But then, isn't this humanity? We're in a constant battle within ourselves. Doesn't it sometimes feel like we're constantly living a life that contradicts itself? Why do we so often seem to move from experiences of triumph and wonder to experiences of doubt and failure? I think that as we're in places like that, God meets us most deeply when we're in those types of situations. It doesn't have to be motherhood. I'm sure many of you have already come up with situations um, and different scenarios and recognize that struggle inside of you. And you don't know which one is really you and which one is to tend to. So going back to Romans 7, I find Paul's words so challenging. And we're going to read it in the message translation this time. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to, to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyways. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. So Paul is sharing about a tension between the difficulty of embracing a faithful life and living out a Christian identity. In this passage, we see how Paul is acknowledging the struggle within himself. The present tense I that he uses um, in this passage is, is exaggerated. That is saying that there's an inability on the part of the believer to do right and an involuntary compulsion to do wrong. And so it's just not good enough, uh, good enough for us to will it within ourselves to be better. We just don't have the strength to. It's a bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation, if you guys are familiar with that. It doesn't have to be motherhood for you to realize that there can be two people inside of you. But the good news is this is what Jesus came to reconcile, to find God in the deepest and darkest places in my life. So my next point is that God uses tensions of motherhood to shatter our illusions. So it's no surprise that we are living in the height of a digitally, digitally derived world. Um, though our intentions of buying a smartphone is to help us become connected, that little computer that you have in your pocket be has become the opposite of that. It's been more of a detriment to our humanness and as it has slowly sucked up all of our attention and time. So we're constantly being filled and being formed by the things that we listen to, read, and look at. And so one of those illusions um, that 
is in front of us is social media and social media has been very good at um, showing us how and what we think motherhood is going to be like or just life in general. We see moms killing it at life, you know. They have X amount of kids, homeschool, have their own biz- business, and they're able to keep, keep their house clean. You know, like, wow, she sure made it look easy. And so surely it has to be that easy. But then it happens. And then motherhood happens. Life happens. And we're faced with a daily grind. The very ordinary, everyday, and very, very messy life. We're faced with stacking dishes, unending laundry, the bottles that need to be cleaned, the crying baby that needs to be changed and fed while your three-year-old just happened to run to the table and is now crying for mom to help her. You have both kids, one on each hip, both crying on the top of the lungs on each here. You're consoling both of them, hoping that one of them would just settle down so you can properly help them. Not that this kind of thing happens to me, you know, but to other moms. This is kind of like a therapy session for me to share this with you. So... um, The root of comparison happens. The image that I had created um, of what motherhood would look like was totally shattered. It's not easy as that mom made it look like, or it's not as easy as that expectation that I had laid out for myself. But this isn't only for moms. We all deal with illusions of what we think life is going to be like. And so what, what do I mean by illusions? I mean that it's a false understanding of something or a deep trust in something. So whether that might be being grounded in our own comfort and security, or that nothing bad could happen to us, or maybe a trust in myself when it comes to work, success, or my marriage, or maybe a belief that I'm the only reason I'm able to sustain my family and I. Marriage, career, family, friendships, even what your walk with Jesus um, will be like. Timothy Keller, in a blog that he wrote, Processing His Faith Through His Time of a Cancer Diagnosis, um, writes, when we turn good things into ultimate things, when we make them our greatest consolations and loves, they will necessarily disappoint us bitterly. I believe that God meets us most authentically and deeply when our illusions are shattered. He meets us relationally. I love the book of Psalms because I love, I love reading through it um, because I feel heard and seen. Um, and, and I see myself in the Psalms. It's an honest book. Um, and it's an honest book and an honest look at our human experience. Did you know that there's about 40% um, of the Psalms are Psalms of lament? Lament meaning that it's a deep process that addresses deep grief and painful emotions. It's actually a biblical response to overwhelming circumstances, but it's not fruitless. Lamenting can actually lead to hope and then action. So I believe that God knows the only way to authentic deep praise comes from lament through shattered illusions. When our vision of a perfect life just didn't turn out the way that we hoped for, God comes in to help reorient us back to him and remind us of what truly matters. So God uh, God shatters the illusions we have about ourselves and shatters the illusions we have about him. And that leads us to our third point. God uses motherhood to show us we need him. So everyone has had um, an experience that has helped them see something through a new lens. 
And I have never been more aware of my need for Jesus and his grace than through motherhood. Um, it sounds really simple, but it surely holds a whole new and fresh meaning to me now, just how desperate I am for God. I resonate with Peter when he says, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. If motherhood has taught me anything, it's how I am filled with shortcomings. I'm just not as patient, as kind, or as loving as I think I am. I'm reliant on myself for success. I prefer myself to others, and just the list goes on. But it's in those moments that I realize how much I need him, that I'm actually incapable on my own to be the type of mom that I want to be, that my daughters need me to be, to be the wife and friend that I want to be. But I am thankful that God is not finished with me yet. And he's not finished with you yet. It's actually been in loving my daughters that I've gotten a deeper glimpse into the love that God has for me. Even if they yell at me for hours or broke my heart with words saying that they hated me or didn't believe me or like me or whatever it may be. If in one moment they said that they needed me, I'd be there in a moment. There's a deeper love within me that trumps those moments. And that thought overwhelms me. That if I could love my daughters like that, how much more does God love us, his children? How much more does God love you, his child? Motherhood has allowed me to experience God's love in a whole different way. You see, experiences change us. It's different from information. Experience has the power to shift the workings of your heart and your mind, to shift and change your destiny and the trajectory of your future experiences. And these experiences have helped me learn more about God's love in a way I just wasn't capable of understanding before. The first part of um, 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. In Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Courtney Divick, uh, an author who wrote about parenting and God's love, um, says, It's an unconditional love that hurts. It's an unwavering love that never ends. It's not wanting any evil to harm them. It's knowing they have to make their own choices. It's knowing that nothing they'd ever do would ever make you stop loving them. The love I have for my kids is so fierce, and I just get it now. I understand how you, God, feel for us. And that's the good news for us today, that God loves us with an unwavering love. It was through difficult situations or the shattering of my own illusions that I began to find God and relearn who he was. I had so many myths about him that were unconscious. Things, that, things like that he wasn't happy with me or that he was angry with me. Things that I didn't even know I really believed until I started living out 
I didn't know that tucked into the recesses of my soul are many, many myths about God. I had so much of my faith um, and, and how so much of my faith is superstitious and not really faith. And so with those shattered illusions, God has started to reintroduce himself to me and is rebuilding my understanding of who he is. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief, A Grief Observed, a book written after he had just lost his wife, writes, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered from time to time. He shatters it himself. He is a great iconoclast. Could we not almost say that the shattering is one of the marks of his presence? And so a pastor named Bethany Allen from Portland helped give some fresh language to this. She said, we find Jesus blowing up the idea of who we think he is. And in doing so, we can know who he really is. Not a God who wills disease or job loss, bankruptcy because he wants to teach us a lesson to punish us or lead us into a good place for our good but a God who is with us through suffering and joy and who will one day put an end to all evil and suffering. While the shattering can feel like another blow, and yes, it can feel uncomfortable, it is necessary. And it is a starting place for our healing in order for us to encounter truth that we so desperately long for. In the shattering, if we let him, he will show us who he is for us to know him. And that's all we really need, by the way. So as we go through uncomfortable seasons of our illusions falling apart, what we'll find out about us is that we have a belief of a love that is too small and a trust that is not yet fortified. We'll find that our view of God is just so often too small and it's often shaped by our own limits or limited perspective, by our own parameters or definitions of goodness and faithfulness. And the good news is that God will not be bound by our own emotional reality, experience, or limited, um, limited perspective. Not when we're suffering, not ever. He cares and loves us far too much for that, to let that be our only experience of him. And so we are given an invitation to know God more, to get to know him in a new way, not in a I read about it way or uh, my pastor told me kind of way, but in, a, but in a way that is meant to change us and build our understanding of him. We have been given an invitation to know God and what it looks like to know him in the depths of our most vulnerable and exposed areas of our life. We have been given an invitation to know him and what it feels like to stand next to him as we confront our greatest fears and our greatest failures. To know his goodness even when it doesn't match ours. To know his nearness against the backdrop of silence. To know the language that he speaks to us in suffering. And to know his unwavering good and righteous true character in nature and in, in the midst of a chaotic fallen world. To know that he's the ultimate good parent. To know him and how he weeps with you for how he holds sorrow for what you're carrying. How he, hold, how he also aches for things to be made right, to be put back to how things were supposed to be. God uses our experiences to show us we need him, to know him. And this is our invitation. But we can easily miss it if we don't lean in 
or we allow trends or social norms or culture to dictate what to believe, or maybe we get too frustrated because of the experiences we've lived through, or we just declare in our righteousness that he's not good enough, we can miss him in the midst of it. There's an invitation for us to lean in and level up and to have an encounter with this living God like we haven't before. He has not neglected or abandoned you. He is fighting for you, for your affection, for your attention, fighting for you to come close. If only you take him up on the offer that has been extended to us. So on this Mother's Day, whether you're a mother or not, I hope what you've heard today is that God isn't finished with us yet. He wants you to know him, to experience him. God is trying to show us and help us understand how much he loves you. Just like how a mother loves their children, his love for you and I is so much more than we can comprehend. Yeah, let's pray. God, we are so undeserving of your love, but you want to pour your love on us lavishly. Today, I pray that you would, would you help us understand that love in a way that anchors deep in our hearts. Would you continue to heal the inner parts of us that are broken and hurt? For those who may have heard of you for the first time or may not have a relationship with you, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in ways that only you can. Speak to their hearts and minds of times you have been present and where you have been active and working. I pray that you would show them how you are a good God. For those who call themselves Christians, maybe even for decades, I pray that you would renew our understanding and experience of your love with a deep joy that it would change us from the inside out. I pray that when we close our eyes or think about you, that we would be able to feel your love wrapped around us. Jesus, thank you that you're here with us and that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the rail city campus of CA Church.